Hi, ladies. Hello. I'm Zan Rule. I'm Paige Berg. And I'm Lexis Gordon. We are the Habit Team. The Habit is a nutrition coaching company made for women by women. Our program is built for you with coaches who put your goals, lifestyle, and personality first. So if you want to learn more about us, head to our episode notes or go to thehabit.com, that's habit with a Y, to book a free consult call. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back, you guys. We have a really great episode for you all today, and we're going to be answering questions from our community alongside our topic that we have. But overall, we hope this is informative, um, like all of our podcasts, Um, We were just talking before this that we've had actually a couple of our clients asking for this specific topic. So, okay, I'll finally get to it. (laughs) For our episode today, we are covering the diet culture. And I know I said that title last, but it's more about that we're talking the culture of diets as opposed to the quote unquote diet culture that's like very negatively looked at, should we say. Mm -hmm. So you're probably wondering like what I even mean by that, but we'll go from why the term diet isn't always a negative term. What makes each diet different, such as keto to low carb to detoxes back to macros and why macros can be that non-diet diet. So interesting, right? I love it. (laughs) So first, let's just start off with a little icebreaker and talk about the craziest diet or like fad diet, we'll say. We're talking in the traditionally known like 90s diets that you've tried. And so, Zan, I want to hear yours first. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm just going to preface that uh, I lasted maybe a day on these because it's just not sustainable. But one, I like tried the whole vegan route and, you know, all the more power to you ladies who are vegan out there, but my, or I need some meats like every day, every day. So, (laughs) um, I just, it wasn't for me. I tried it and it just, and I don't even know why I really did. I think I was just curious about all the vegan products out there, but yeah. Um, so that lasted maybe a day. And then um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I couldn't quite remember the name. But um, I remember it being called the Master Cleanse. Yep. Okay. That sounds right. Where it was literally lemon, um, lemon juice, <laughs> and cayenne, <laughs> cayenne pepper. Yeah. Like in syrup or something maple syrup maple syrup yeah oh my god, oh my god. It was, like, was it on like brutal. a spoon and you like you shot it or something it was like no, all you drank it was oh. the only thing you drank like for yeah. days <laughs> okay oh wait god. i forget I, I feel like it became this huge thing because one celebrity said that she was yeah. doing it like do you remember the celebrity lexus was it um, wanted, was who's the wanted, spice girl lady it wasn't her oh was god. it no who was I'm it i'm not sure i don't know Regardless, though, (laughs) that one shows you how influenced we are by celebrities and the media out there. But um, so I was like, oh, this is interesting. And, you know, this was my college days, freshman year when like freshman 15 was in full effect. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to try this. And it was miserable, (laughs) like straight up miserable. I mean, I'm you're just 
drinking pure liquids. You think I I had zero attention span in class. I probably didn't retain a single thing. And uh, (laughs) it probably, yeah, it probably lasted like half a day. So um, needless to say, all these like fad diets that I've tried, I mean, the main point behind them or as to why I gave them up is just the sustainability portion. It just wasn't there. And, um, you know, I like living my life with eating chocolate every single day. So (laughs) (laughs) amen. Yes. (laughs) So those were mine. That should be our new tagline. Chocolate every day. Yeah. Yep. I'm all for it. By yes. women, for women, with chocolate every day. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Do you know how many more signups we'll get with that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyways, Lexis, what about you? What have you tried? What have I not tried is the question. <laughs> um, so the longest thing that I did do was I was also vegan, I think, for about nine months um, total, which was an accomplishment. And... Um, I don't even know why I did it. Kind of like Zan, I think I was just curious and I wanted to see if it would work for me. And I ended up feeling awful on it. Um, So I just stopped doing that. And then I've also done (laughs) keto. That was only for like a couple of weeks because I died. That was very challenging for me. No carbs is just not my jam. I did do a whole 30, which is 30 days. And I did complete the whole 30. That was pretty challenging. I'll kind of go over that a little bit more later. Um, and then I also have done intermittent fasting, which isn't technically kind of a fad diet, but just a way of mm-hmm. eating. Mm-hmm. It's just so talked about right now. So talked about. Yeah. And we'll touch on all of these two in the episode. So why don't we just dive in? Let's do it. <laughs> Um, so of course everyone has a differing perspective on which diet is really best to support your overall lifestyle. And if you have specific goals like fat loss, um, but when we're talking about diets, there's actually three definitions for this word alone. So let's just define them off the bat. So we know like how unique each kind of phrase can be, or like I should say context is for, for the word. So the first definition is the kinds of food that a person, animal, or community habitually eats. Pretty straightforward. The second definition, a special course of food to which one restricts oneself, either to lose weight or for medical reasons. We're all like shaking our head like, yep, that sounds more familiar. Mm -hmm. And then the third one that I found, restrict oneself to small amounts or special kinds of food in order to lose weight. Yikes. So yes, this is fat Mm -hmm. written all over it. Yes. I was most shocked to see the words like small amounts written in here because it doesn't have to be that way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All in moderation, right? But um, yeah, that third one was probably the most popular that we've heard. Um, and that third one is probably most extreme Mm -hmm. in terms of restrictions or limiting factors. So if we take this just one step further, if you did actually type in diet culture, which is sort of the episode title, um, we're flipping it on, on its head a little bit, but if you type those words into the Google search, you'll notice articles around body shaming, And connotations that if you aren't thin, you aren't healthy, orthorexia, which is being obsessed with only eating healthy foods, and probably the saddest one, like, what should I eat to get skinny? So 
That is a whole other podcast topic that we're actually going to go deeper into later on in the season because I think it's important that we do address this. Um, but today we're going to be more so talking about the culture of diets and how it all started and really where we are today. So I'm just going to dive right into the history of these things because I think it's important that we just like have a foundation of how all of these things got started. Um, so doing some research, I found that calorie counting was really the origin of dieting. Um, obviously it goes way you know, past that or earlier on, but in the early 1900s, calorie counting became a thing. So from there, we spiraled into cabbage suit diets, to blood type diets, to fasting, to Atkins, and really the list goes on. So I think that we can all agree that eating one thing like cabbage or just fruit or just juice sounds extreme, But if you've listened to us long enough, you know that we are the first people to say, find a lifestyle of eating that works best for your body. So you'll probably notice in this episode too, like we're talking about the more extreme side of these quote unquote diets, but there are things in here that we can all maybe take a piece of and put it into our own routines. Totally. And I love that. So sorry, Paige, to interrupt. The one thing I wanted to say, you know, about that third definition that you read about diet. And I think we can all agree that the most common feedback we get is, I cannot believe I can lose weight by eating this much food. So that's just, I wanted to throw that out there. What our like standpoint and, you know, our philosophy here is that the habit is that we obviously, we're not going to dictate what you put into your body, but we may give you recommendations of how much. And we are definitely not a program that's going to be restricting your intake by any means. The word restriction just makes me cringe. Like when I (laughs) see that word, it makes me angry And it's so upsetting because it's just such a common theme throughout all of the diets in this diet Mm -hmm. culture episode that we're going to talk about. It's restrict this, restrict that, restrict. And it's just, it's, I roll my eyes because macros, (laughs) there are, there are no restrictions. Exactly. It's such a good world to live in. (laughs) Not that it's better than anyone's, but we love it for a reason. For sure. (laughs) So Obviously, the list of diets just keeps growing. I think the more that we're scrolling on Instagram, it feels like another diet or like fads popping up. So we really wanted to like break down specific diets for you guys because I think it's important to understand the differences if you do find pieces in here that are helpful. So let's start with the hottest one, the keto diet, right? This is like on your Discover page. It's like keto brownies or keto coffee. It's Mm -hmm. always something new. So the keto diet equals the ketogenic diet. And this is a very high fat, low carb approach to eating. And really, I mean, for me personally, it's like the last year and a half, probably. Do you guys feel like Mm -hmm. it's been earlier than that? Because when did you guys do keto? Like two years ago. Okay. And you guys are in California, so you're way more on the pulse. (laughs) (laughs) Especially so the fad diets. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yes, you've probably seen people like adding butter to their coffee or eating bacon with every meal. And this is really to up that fat content. Um, and of course you're limiting carbs in this diet too. So essentially what you're doing is adding more fat to your diet to put your body into ketosis 
and I'm not a doctor, so I'm not even going to try and like explain how that all works. But once you're in ketosis, you can convert your fat into energy in turn burning fat. So this is obviously like a, a, it's a quick win sort of diet in some people's minds because they see not instant results, but it's probably quicker than what you'd see, you know, cutting calories for two months. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you're wondering like what this looks like from a macro breakout, this would roughly be, and these are just estimations, but 60% fat, 10% carbs, 30% protein. So let's just say you're eating around a 2000 calorie diet. You'd be probably eating around 30 to 50 grams of carbs a day. And if you're in our program, you know that you're at at least 110, 120 carbs. We'll probably never minimum. We'll never let you go below Mm -hmm. that. And there's a rhyme and a reason, of course. But um, yes, so this is pretty extreme in the 30 to 50 carbs, just as a like correlation, I have about 70 grams of carbs just in my breakfast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> How about the fact that like one banana can have 30 grams yes. of carbs? So just to put that into perspective, to keep your carbs at 30 to 50, there are so many foods that you pretty much cannot enjoy anymore because you're just not going to be able to get to that level of ketosis that you exactly. need to. Exactly. Super restrictive. Exactly. Crazy. Right. <laughs> and how this all kind of got started was actually in the early 1900s as part of, as part of epilepsy research. And it's actually still considered a really quality diet for those with this condition. Um, but of course, with anything, you know, pieces of this started to trickle out. And eventually, you know, people started to associate this with fat loss. So at a very high level, this diet is not for everyone as it can be the R word restrictive, but many have seen really drastic fat loss and go in and out of doing keto for this reason. So because the two of you have done this before, I definitely want to hear your side of like how this all worked. So I've actually never done keto. I've tried keto products. I'll say that. Okay. And this is going to be so TMI. I'm sorry to everyone listening, but You know, if you do have a sensitive stomach to very high fat foods, there is a possibility that your body's going to respond with diarrhea. (laughs) And no joke. I like, I don't even remember what it was, but it was like some powder to drink before your workout or something. Um, I lasted maybe five minutes in my warm up and I ran straight to the bathroom. So needless to say, as soon as that happened, I was like, this isn't for me. And so, yep. <laughs> yeah, sorry guys. Just sorry if you got a little visual from that, but um, it can happen to people. And this is why mm-hmm. that, you know, why macros are so beautiful because you can play around with the ratios to really figure out what your numbers are. Um, but in general, we're never going to have you at about 60% fats. So that is my experience with keto. <laughs> Lexis, yeah. what about you? So again, I did not last long. I maybe did it for about a month. Um, and I just felt really crummy and really like low energy. I know it's weird because a lot of my friends who do follow the keto diet say that they have like this incredible, like super Hulk strength energy, very like sustainable all day long, like no crash type of energy. And I just personally didn't experience that. Maybe I didn't give it a go for long enough. Um, 
I do know that keto can help to balance out hormones and reduce inflammation, which is another thing that I know a lot of people are drawn to. And it also apparently helps with cravings. I do know that the less carbs that I would eat, the days that it would go on, the the cravings would get easier. In the beginning, it was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. And then like after the first week, it kind of... um, calm down a bit. So I do know that a lot of people say that after a long time of following that diet, it will kind of curb all of those cravings that you typically would have had for the carbs and the sugars. I didn't get to a point. I don't think, again, I lasted long enough to really get to that point. I just, it just wasn't for me. Um, but I do know a lot of people that have great experiences with it. So I think that, you know, there's no right or wrong. Just didn't work for me. And, you know, I do want to add, like, I actually, of all the fad diets, I find keto to be one of the most dangerous just because some people who have um, predispositions to, let's say, um, high cholesterol or high blood pressure, things like that, you know, one, if you want to try the keto diet, please, like, go get a physical from your doctor and just be aware of the state that your body is in because this diet can actually, you know, cause higher blood pressure, higher cholesterol. And, you know, some people who should not be doing this, it can lead to um, something called ketoacidosis, which actually is extremely, and again, I'm not a doctor, so I can't explain exactly what happens, but, um, you know, my, actually my roommate's boyfriend is a medic and he has seen several people being brought to the hospital because of this condition and they ended up dying. And I'm not trying to scare anyone. I'm just trying to say, please do your research before ever trying any of these fat diets because it can have really severe negative effects. Scary. Yeah. Scary. I know. Yikes. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's just such high consumption of such a saturated macronutrient. So your body is probably just like, again, I don't know the actual science behind this, but your body is probably just like, holy shit, like, Mm -hmm. what do I do with all Mm -hmm. of this and how do I convert it to energy? Absolutely. I've heard like the keto flu is a thing and maybe that's what you were going through, Lexus. Like you just felt like junk. Mm -hmm. Crummy. I don't know. I just, I don't think it's for me, ladies. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Pass the popcorn. Do you love my fats though? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) But with a good balance of the others. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Totally. Let's dive into our second little diet breakout here. Um, Paleo. Our girl Zan's probably the most um, in tune with this one, (laughs) our little CrossFitter. Um, But this is also commonly known as the caveman diet. Um, And so this is a diet centered around eating foods that could be found while hunting and gathering way back in the day. Um, This approach really limits processed food and promotes consuming lean meats, fish, veggies, fruits, and nuts. So again, kind of just eliminating the processed junk that we, you know, can sometimes have too much of. Um, Macronutrients breakout for this, um, for this diet actually vary in that experts recommend, you know, varying percentages. But the key to this is that You don't necessarily need to follow a specific macronutrient breakout if you're tracking paleo. Um, You could be tracking macros and following this diet, but your your percentages might just look a little bit different dependent on your preference for macros. 
Um, so all in all, you know, detox diets could be falling under this, um, quote unquote diet because it's just really eliminating, you know, sugars and, um, again, processed packaged foods. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, to go off of that, um, I did do a whole 30, like I had mentioned earlier and whole 30 isn't technically paleo, but they, they kind of go, they're like siblings. They kind of fall Mm -hmm. under the same category. And so I was really intrigued by whole 30. Um, basically it's a 30 day, um, detox diet. So elimination diet, really no sugar, no alcohol, no grains, no legumes, and no dairy. And so I got really, really into it. Me and my friend actually started it around the same time. I bought the cookbook. I did the whole, you know, shebang. And again, I I did it. I finished it and I did feel good. I did feel, um, I felt as though I had a lot of time to focus on, you know, the quality of the food that I was eating. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I was just paying a lot of attention to that. And I did do probably the most cooking I've ever done in 30 days just because I was so focused on like wanting to get through all the recipes in the cookbook. So, I mean, I was cooking like big, awesome dinners and things like three, four five times in a week, which I don't do that right now, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, maybe one, one day a week if I'm lucky, but it, so that was a really positive thing. And I definitely wouldn't say that, um, there's anything wrong with it. I think it's a great way to kind of cleanse your body. If you feel like you're eating Mm -hmm. a lot of maybe, you know, say around Christmas time when you're eating lots of treats and, or Thanksgiving, um, I do know a lot of people feel as though they've been bogged down, you know, by all that sugar and those processed foods and the baked goods. And so there's nothing wrong with kind of that viewpoint of wanting to eliminate those things and focus on more whole foods. Now, however, I still walked away from it and felt as though I was restricted for 30 days mm-hmm. of all the things that I really, really wanted. And it was like, you know, I'm okay to eat whole 30, 80% of the time. But like, if at the end of the night, mm-hmm. I want a piece of chocolate or a yogurt bowl with granola, it's like just knowing that I couldn't have it for me, for someone who does have, you know, disordered e- eating habits, in my past, it was very challenging mm-hmm. for me to not feel like I was being told what to do. And I was, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't like mm-hmm. that feeling. So for me, it wasn't something that I'll do again and again. I'll use the Whole30 cookbook um, and still kind of eat in that paleo way because I think that it is really awesome to focus on whole foods, kind of cut cut back on the sugars and everything. Totally great. It's just for me, I, I do not like being told I can't do something because I'm just going to want it yeah. so, mm-hmm. so, so badly. And I just mm-hmm. think that it really leads to, um, yeah, just not a good relationship with food for me personally. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And, you know, going back to more specifically paleo, uh, I really just learned about it because it is extremely prevalent in the CrossFit world. And as everyone knows, whoever does CrossFit loves talking about it and <laughs> especially their diet. And so that's kind of like mm-hmm. the first taste of what I got. But I was never tempted to do it because like Lexa said, I, I don't like to be told I can't eat this. I don't like to feel restricted by any means. But, you know, why it's so prevalent in the CrossFit world is because, I mean, obviously CrossFit workouts are extremely intense. They can be extremely stressful on the body. And so by eliminating major stressors like high inflammatory foods, CrossFitters find it easier to recover and then also perform during their, their workouts. So by eliminating like whole grains, um, 
it's caused less internal inflammation, basically. That's so interesting. I've never heard of that before. Like I love, I kind of love that. So I actually can um, attest to that because about a year or so ago, and I know I've shared this on our um, habit Instagram story before, but I got a gut sensitivity test and I just, honestly, I, by the end of the day, I basically looked like I was pregnant like Lexus and, um, (laughs) and, and not with the actual baby. (laughs) And I just knew, I knew something was wrong. It's not like I was like in pain or really that uncomfortable, but just looking at like what my body looked like at the beginning of the day versus the end, I just knew something wasn't right. And so, you know, all these tests were popping up and I was just so curious. So I ended up doing one and I actually learned I am extremely, extremely sensitive to most whole grains and um and extremely sensitive to gluten which i had no idea and so i started doing more research and i actually uh, from about a year ago have switched to a lot of paleo products but solely mm. because i got a gut intelligence test to tell me that my body is not thriving off of certain foods and I Mm -hmm. kid you not, within three to five months, um, I was still eating the same amount of calories. I was still living like exactly like I was, but I lost maybe three pounds of pure inflammation and bloating. It was incredible. And yeah, you just, you have no idea like that all these foods, like healthy foods too, are harming you. And so I will say like, I don't, I'm not completely paleo or anything, but I do opt for, you know, like my toast or my waffles or whatever. I try to buy paleo um, just because Mm -hmm. now when I reintroduce a gluten or certain grains into my diet, um, I get again, TMI, very gassy throughout the day. And it's just not fun for anyone to be around me when I'm like that. So (laughs) I feel like I need to do this test. Well, oh my God. It's funny. I can send you it. Now that you mention it, I really quickly, I remember that the reason why I did the whole 30 was because I did do a a food intolerance test. Mine was a different Mm. brand than yours. Um, It was really popular on Instagram. I have to go back. I'm going to look at pictures. I have photos of me in 2000. I want to say maybe it was 16 is when I did it. So it was a while ago of how bloated I was at the end of the night. And I looked pregnant. And I remember that was kind of what kickstarted me to do the whole 30 because I also got results back. I don't remember now what the specific foods were, but there was some dairy, some gluten, some things like that. And that kind of sprung me forward into trying the whole 30. So yeah, Mm -hmm. similar situation. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say this, yes, it's pretty restrictive, but out of all of them, it can be beneficial if you do know kind of what fuels Mm -hmm. your body best. And so, yeah, that's really the only reason why I do it, but I'm not strict when I go out to eat with friends, like I'll eat whatever I want, just knowing what the repercussions are going to be later on. (laughs) Bring that gas X girl. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. God. <laughs> I actually really like the chewy ones. Like I like the cherry flavor of those. I haven't here. tried them. Ooh, I'm going to get the chewy ones next. It's really good. I live for gas X guys. It same, saves me. Same. same. <laughs> yep. Don't you get gassier? Sponsor us. Gas I was going to say, don't you get gassier when you're pregnant? You get everything worse okay. when you're pregnant. Fair. You know, fair. Okay. you know, it's all just a big mess around there. Yeah. <laughs> Fun. I love um, it, you guys. Okay, let's move yeah. on to our last okay. one. Um, 
low carb, which is probably the most one that I'm familiar with just in my history. And I can kind of dive into that, but low carb, AKA low carbohydrates, eating just a lower um, percentage of this macronutrient more than likely, you know, kind of started this like broader, um, theme from the Atkins diet, which was really made widespread by like celeb endorsements in the nineties and claiming that by eliminating this macronutrient group, not entirely, but at a very low percentage, you can lose weight, which we know, you know, carbohydrates are one of your three macronutrients. And many experts say that you need a really nice, healthy balance between all three of them. Um, so personally, low carb was my correlation to losing weight. And honestly, it's probably subconscious from me growing up in the nineties and hearing the commercials and, you know, then growing up in college and then after college, it was all over Instagram. And, you know, you kind of still to this day see celebrities eating or endorsing low carb diets. Um, I was demonizing carbs since God, I don't even know middle school. Like, you know, you don't really remember exactly when you start thinking about your diet, but I was, you know, blaming this macronutrient group essentially for my weight gain without a ton of, you know, research and knowledge. And in the reality of things, I just wasn't eating the right mix of my macros um, in order to see the results that I wanted. So, you know, I was thin throughout all of my life until I went to college and I definitely gained weight. Um, but I still, even being very thin in high school and, you know, dancing for five hours a day, um, I was still correlating this macronutrient group as a negative. Um, so I was probably eating my entire sort of life, 60% carb, 30% fat, 10% protein. I probably had like protein at dinner and that was it. Um, so I still see this trend all over the place. I follow a couple of influencers that are low carb. Um, they say they're low carb, but in reality, in reality, they're actually eating a lot of like sweet potatoes and fruit all day. So I think what they mean by this is they're just eating a low processed carbohydrate diet, not necessarily low carb. So this one, you know, definitely for me is, has been the most like influential on my, the majority of my life. Um, and again, it's, it's sort of like one of those diets that you don't really know like where it started, but I do sort of think it's subconsciously ingrained in me, um, until I started tracking macros that this macronutrient was not good. Mm -hmm. I feel like most women, I don't want to speak for everyone, but most women are afraid of carbs nowadays because the biggest response we get from our clients when we customize our macros are, I mean, the sheer amount of food they're just not used to, but also that carb number scares the shit out of them. And when our clients truly adopt this new lifestyle, the biggest thing that I hear is, I'm not afraid to eat bread. I'm not afraid to eat potatoes anymore and this and that. And it is such a liberating feeling because, you know, where these notions are so ingrained in us that it's just it's just simply not true. I mean, 
in general, in order to lose fat, in order to lose weight, you need to be in a calorie deficit. It doesn't mean you need to eliminate carbs. Just be in a calorie deficit and you'll get those results. I think that concept is so foreign to a lot of people. And I agree with you. I don't want to generalize and say every woman, but it is such a large population of women who are genuinely scared of carbs. Now, it could be fruit. Like the whole fruit fear thing is real. And that is, you know, fruit or fruit or carbs or like pasta. Or I have friends who like literally I've never seen them order like bread. If we've gone to breakfast, it's like you ha- they have to sub out their toast or like no English muffin. And it's just this scary it's just so sad to me. Like, it's just this scary idea that like carbs equal fat and that there's no possible way to, to get the body you want and to feel confident and to eat a well-balanced diet if you're eating carbs. And I I just, I think that a lot of people don't realize too, when you're eating these low carb meals or, or say like bread, like low carb breads. Okay. So say it's only like nine grams a slice it's filled with so many fillers and additives and junk ingredients to basically mask the fact that it's like pulling out the natural carbs in the food, if you know what I mean. And so you're not only eating crap instead, but you're also like depriving yourself of just eat the piece of toast and then move on. Like, you know, it just seems so simple to me, but again, it's just this this fear that women have around carbs that has been so prevalent, again, since, like you said, Paige, my whole life. I mean, it's just like, you're going to eat a bagel? Like, oh my God. And it's like, <laughs> I had a bagel today. Like, you know, and it's, it's crazy to me, but yeah. I agree. Even when you said that, like, I just had this flashback in high school, we'd all get like these salad shakers and like some days we'd get a bagel to go along with it. And I remember like, just even like my girlfriend's like, oh my God, you're going to have that. And then I would like go dance for five or six hours after, after school was done. Like I needed that in order to, you know, I knew a salad wasn't going to last me the rest of the day. Um, so it's just interesting. Like I, even to this day, like the word bagel, I like instantly think back to negative situations in high school. I love your accent. Say I just it again. said, yeah, say that again, Paige. I was literally going to Say what? that, Lexus. Bagel. Bagel. <laughs> bagel. I love it. I love it. You guys say bagel. No, bagel. Bagel. You said bagel. Bag- you said bagel. Bagel? Yeah. I said bagel? <laughs> A little bit. Rewind the tapes, Alex. She did. Rewind. Some days we'd get a bagel to go along with it. I said bagel? I love it. Bagel, bagel, whatever. <laughs> tomato, tomato. Yes. Okay? Yes. <laughs> I'm into it. So anyways, um, of course, you know, we always are going to get the question, like, where does tracking macros in each of these diets kind of fall into the equation? So in its simplest explanation, macronutrients are your carbs, fat, and protein, and those equal calories. And they each have a different um, breakout for what that is. But We don't need to get that granular. Um, Tracking your macros really just means you're logging your intake and being aware that you have certain macro goals to meet for carbs, fat, and protein, typically assigned by a coach or sometimes people look it up online. Um, Percentages vary on the breakout depending on where you go. But 
Really in its core, in our eyes, tracking gives you the awareness to know how certain foods and calories make you feel. So we feel that macros is the non-diet diet for that reason, because you're not restricting, but you do have this magnified lens on your eating habits, AKA your diet. So really like that, going back to that first definition of things. Um, I would say like some people would claim that tracking is obsessive or restrictive, but it really doesn't have to be. There are definitely programs out there that will recommend to do something a little more extreme when tracking. But our program, as Dan mentioned earlier, is very rooted in a lifestyle, you know, mentality that we want this to be sustainable. So making new habits by calculating a custom macronutrient breakout for your body is what we do at mm-hmm. Habit. And kind of going off of that page, I I do want to note that, you know, any intro call that comes in, we always ask if they've ever had um, any prior experience with an eating disorder, because we do understand that sometimes tracking numbers and paying attention to your diet, this specifically can trigger people who have had those experiences. So I just want to add that in that we are cognizant of that and that we do make sure anyone that comes into our program is in a mental, mentally safe state so that, you know, they don't jeopardize all their progress that they've made. Totally. And to kind of go off of that, um, I do have a lot of conversations with clients who, you know, talk about how do you transition from macro counting to more intuitive eating, right? I don't want to do this forever. And I simply say to them, I don't want to do this forever either, right? Like I am using macro counting as a way to basically add tools to my macro tool belt. And eventually in a year or five years or 10 years, whenever I get to a point where I have other things in my life that take priority, I'll know walking away from tracking and logging things every single day and weighing my food, I'll know that I have those tools in my tool belt and I can apply them and confidently feel like I still have that food freedom and mentality where I know how to fuel my body and I know the general, you know, portion of a chicken breast or the general amount of carbs a day that feel good for me. And my kind of visualization that I love to tell my clients is this puzzle example. I think I may have mentioned it in a prior episode, but I just love it so Mm -hmm. much in the sense that macro counting is kind of a form of intuitive eating, right? Because every morning you wake up and you have a blank puzzle, okay? And you ask yourself in the morning, what am I craving? Today I'm craving ice cream for dessert. Today I'm craving a bagel. Today I'm craving pasta. And then you intuitively build your day around that craving to ensure that you complete the puzzle by the end of the day. And so to me, yes, macro counting, you're, you're a little bit more diligent. You, you, you know, you're measuring your food, you're weighing your food, you're writing it down. So of course it's a little bit more, um, involved than intuitive eating is in general by just listening to what you want to eat and eating it. But you still are asking yourself every single day, kind of, where am I at? What do I want to enjoy today? And so it's, I just think it's such a beautiful way to kind of mesh the two together in the least restrictive way possible. And I have so many clients who just message me every single day being like, I'm eating foods I haven't eaten in years. I'm loving the food that I'm making and I'm losing weight and seeing positive changes in my body. Like, I don't understand how this is possible. And it it literally <laughs> works and it it is possible. And I just think it's the most magical thing ever. <laughs> 
It is. I like have chills. That's seriously just everything we yeah. want. For Same. Our Absolutely. It's so good. Love it, ladies. Should we dive into our Q&A portion? Yeah, we had a lot of good questions from our clients. So we want to go over a couple of them. Yes. Let's start with another sort of, we'll just call it a fad. It's not necessarily a diet, but a question around intermittent fasting came in and wondering if it's beneficial, you know, to just do this in general, or is it really just a way to restrict calories on the whole? So I'll just start with my answer and you guys feel free to chime in. But this is really just a personal habit to engage with this, you know, method, we'll call it or not. So experts kind of like vary in the benefits of intermittent fasting or IF um, and what it does. But it's it's really correlating back to giving your digestive system a nice little rest And this can go anywhere from eight hours to 14 or 16 hours, I've heard. Um, Some people go like 16 on, 16 off. There's different like formulations of how you can do this. But if you're doing intermittent fasting and tracking, the hope is that you're still eating your calories, but in a smaller window. So this just might lead to better sleep, eating more intuitively in terms of doing IF, Um, I have started to do this sort of in a way. Um, It's not like 100% IF because I'm drinking coffee with oat milk in the morning at like seven o'clock, but I don't usually eat my first meal, especially now in quarantine until like 10 Mm a.m. So it's a way for my body to be like, yep, I'm hungry. And then I just go to the kitchen and then I make my breakfast then instead of force feeding something before I run out the door at 730. Mm hmm. So this has been a nice little method. Yeah, I'm doing something similar to Paige. I totally, I have practiced, I have actually practiced it in the past, but right now with this pregnancy, now that I'm about to be nine months, I don't have any room in my stomach anymore because this baby's taken up all the space. And so I wake up in the morning still full from like my dessert the next night and I genuinely am not even hungry. It's like later than 10 a.m. It's like 12 o'clock and I'm still like, I want to eat, but I just am not having this feeling that I'm hungry, which is so not like me. But I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not going to force feed myself to eat this large Mm -hmm. breakfast. I'm just going to wait and eat it at a later time. So I'm kind of doing the same, but totally unintentionally. It's just like listening to my hunger cues for once because I'm just not that hungry yet anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I've actually done um, IF before for like nine months. And it was kind of one of those things where I was just curious and I wanted to see kind of the benefits of it or if I even experienced them. And so, you know, I will say that what I learned most out of it was, so I chose an eight hour window. And like Paige said, there's different ways to set it up for yourself. And um, the most common one and the most you know, the one to start off with the, um, start off with first is that eight hour window and you can choose whatever times you want. So you really want to, um, devise it depending on what your current schedule is. And so I actually did, um, the window of 10 to 6 PM. And what I learned from that actually is because the last thing I ate was by 6 PM, I was sleeping better And we talk about this a lot with our clients. Late night eating 
it, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't make you gain weight. It doesn't make you gain fat, but your body is not digesting it all the way before you go to bed. And the one opportunity your bod- body really does have to recover is when you're sleeping. And so now if it's having to work to digest this food, it can um, cause you to stay awake and not fall, to, fall asleep. And I'm an awful sleeper. I'm super sensitive. I wake up to everything. And so I actually benefited that my sleep got better. And so even though I don't practice intermittent fasting today, what I took out of that was, okay, don't eat too late at night or you're not going to sleep well. And so, yes, there are benefits. Um, And I would say, you know, those who, you know, adhere better to schedule and rules might benefit from this. Um, It kind of provides a little guardrail. And, you know, if your issue or biggest struggle is like boredom eating or late night snacking and that grazing, um, this might, this might be beneficial. But we never want it to be, um, you know, a method for you to restrict your calories even more. So while I was practicing it, I still ate the same amount of calories no matter what, because if I didn't, I would wake up the next day and have zero energy and I would just be honestly a cranky bitch. So, (laughs) you know, and and I will say it's another one. If you've ever had a prior eating disorder or any obsessive behavior tendencies, don't do it. Honestly, mm-hmm. don't do it. It can trigger you and you're going to fall into kind of that vicious cycle again. And so, again, with all of these fads and methods that we're talking about, really just be true to yourself. And if mm-hmm. you know that it is not going to be right for you mentally, psychologically, whatever it might be, just just don't do it because it's just not worth uh, it. Totally. Yes. Question number two, okay. which might be my favorite question that we've gotten in a while. Let's say you're at a happy hour. And you have five friends that are on different diets. Keto, you're counting your calories. One's counting their macros. One's doing whole 30. Um, What would you guys say is the best way to handle the topic of conversation of dieting when your girlfriends want to talk about what they're doing? Ooh, good one. (laughs) I feel like this is so relevant just because I've had this situation happen. And it is it is common to have. I have a lot of friends who follow all different styles of eating. And I think that the best way to handle the conversation is genuinely just to not push your beliefs or preferences on anyone. Um, Remember to always keep an open mind and never be judgmental. And if people are curious about the way that you're eating, which happens to me all the time, and it's funny because I feel like a lot of people don't want to admit that they're curious, but they'll like ask these like leading questions or they'll like kind of beat around Mm -hmm. the bush and want to like know more about macros, but they won't just come out and say it, which that's okay. Um, But if people are curious about the way that you're eating, be open to educating them in a way that doesn't come off as pushy or that you sound like Mm -hmm. a know-it-all or that your diet trumps their diet or that it's going to work for them because it works for you. You have to remember that like everything in life, it may not work for them even though it works for you. I preach macros all day, every day, and I probably will forever. But I have friends who have tried it and hated it and it didn't Mm -hmm. work for them or they did feel like it was too um, meticulous and they didn't want to be logging things in their phone, et cetera. And that's fine. Um, I have friends who have been vegan for years now and they, they went vegan like three years ago and it's changed their life and they're thriving and they feel so great and healthy. And 
I think it's just remembering, especially if you're in a group of women who all have different viewpoints and are doing something that works for them, be a cheerleader for them, be so excited for them that what they're doing is working and seem interested even if you know you're not going to go home and do the keto diet. Right. It's okay, but just don't just don't be judgmental. I think it's really important to have an open mindset and know that people are going to do things their way and I think that having a support system around you that makes you feel confident in your choices and I there's nothing worse than being out and like me tracking something and having someone comment negatively. It happens. It's happened many times. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. Oh my God, you're weighing your food. Oh God. You know, and it's just so upsetting because it's like, girlfriend, we're supposed to be friends. Like, aren't you on my team? Mm -hmm. Like, aren't you like here supporting me and like happy that this is working for me? I'm not asking you to weigh your food. You do you like I'm going to do me. Mm -hmm. And so that would just be my advice is just no judgment um, and just keep an open mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it definitely goes back to our health shaming podcast, right? From season two. Totally. So if any of you guys haven't listened to it, definitely listen to it. But it's all about, um, you know, shaming people for how they eat, even if it's extremely healthy. And, you know, I've I've learned over the years that a lot of people, because we're in the nutrition or fitness industry, they respect your opinion. But um I, I am never one to offer it without being asked. And so the perfect example of this is I live with three other girls right now. There's four of us. We're all so drastically different in terms of our diet. And I would never comment on anyone unless they genuinely sat down and was like, hey, educate me a little bit more behind macros or am, or, or am I doing or what I'm eating right now? Is it correct? Like whatever it may be. So I just... I. You know, if it's not my place, it's not my place unless they actually ask me for my opinion. And so that's kind of the approach I take. And I think even like because it's changed all of our lives for the better, it's hard not to say like, you should try it. Like, come on. I promise it's going to be worth it. But there is differing opinions. And there are people, Lexus, that have tried it and don't like it. And that's okay. You know, so even if you're someone that has tracked before and you're seeing your best friend doing a juice only diet for months on end, let her do her. She's going to figure it out at some point, unless you feel like it's getting into like dangerous territory. Um, of course, you know, that's when you step in, but yeah, I think, I think everyone just needs to stay in their own lane when it comes to finding what works best for their body. And that actually just like segues perfectly into the last question we had of what are the different benefits um, of the different diet programs that we've talked about today? And what does it do to necessarily like restrict a certain food group? So I'm going to just like do a broad answer here and just say that all of these diets have a benefit, in my opinion, in some way, shape or form. They might not be obvious, but if you are looking at it, there might be something that you can take away from these diets and say, you know what, I'm going to put that in my back pocket or in the back of my brain to pull it out for when I need it like intermittent fasting, maybe you need to up your fat a little bit if you're pregnant, like whatever it might be. Um, you know, but there's not a benefit. There might not be a benefit for every single person. So, um, to kind of answer the second part of this question, uh, eliminating a key food group. And what I think she meant by this is like eliminating a, a key macronutrient 
may have, you know, varying effects on your body. You know, our carbohydrates are our energy and without protein, our muscles can't recover. Um, so as we've mentioned though, like varying tactics will work for you in a different manner. So you just have to find out what is your jam. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Amen. We covered a lot of ground. I yes. hope you guys found this helpful today. Um, you know, everywhere from that diet doesn't necessarily mean diet in the true fad diet sense of the word. It's actually just how we eat as humans. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it doesn't always need to be so extreme, right? Um, so we kind of broke down a few of the different diets that we're seeing in our day and age and then answered some lovely questions from our lovely ladies and men that comment in our <laughs> Instagram polls. So thanks for submitting those. Let's dive into our macro hack of the week. Oh my God, I'm dying. That was beautiful. Oh my God. Beautiful. We're getting, we're getting into the rhythm. How is my harmonizing? Our listeners are probably like, can you just yes. say the macro hack? <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay, Zan, you start us off. Okay. So um, I'm sure this one has been done or seen before, but um, I can't emphasize it enough. So, well, first, I would like to say here at The Habit, like I said, we do not tell you that certain things are off limits. We're not going to tell you that you need to eliminate anything, but we like to give guidelines or maybe um, some tips or, um, you know, opinions about certain things. And so... One of the number one things where I feel like it does not need to be processed is when it comes to nut butters. And I mean, nuts in itself are just so, okay, that sounded bad, but <laughs> I'm so mature. I'm so mature. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> nuts in their original form are delicious, right? Fats are flavor. Yes. So yes. in my personal opinion, when it comes to peanut butter, almond butter, the only ingredients that are really necessary are that nut and then maybe some added salts because everyone loves salt. Yeah. And so, yeah, like I actually grew up on like Skippy peanut butter and it has palm oil, sugar cane, like all these additives to it, right? And all then, those yummy things. I, yummy things, <laughs> I know. But I will say when I switched to like a nut butter that had very simple ingredients and then I went back to Skippy, I actually found it disgusting. I, it was, oh. I know, it was, I can't even Same. say it was weird. It's actually like, Same. I, I totally understand why. And so yeah. I all I can say is, Try it just to see, and it could be a way just to cut out excess sugar and fats and processed foods out of your diet. But again, it's only a suggestion. I love that. Totally. My my favorite, actually, nut butter is the Kirkland brand from Costco, just the plain, and it's just peanuts and peanuts and what what's the other? Salt. Salt. Peanuts and yeah. salt. And then the Trader Joe's um, one is also just like peanuts and salt, mm -hmm. and both of those are my favorite, and they're super cheap. The Costco one comes in a two pack and it's organic. Oh, and it that's was like a good deal. For yeah. two huge ones. And I was like, there you what? go. I'm going to go check my nut butter after this. <laughs> Seriously. I'm like, <laughs> what is in mine? It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> Who's next? Lexus. Serve it up, girl. Yep. Me? 
Ooh, okay. So my macro hack of the week this week is all about my favorite snack, which are my Joseph's Lavish Shop chips. I don't know if you guys know about the Joseph Lavish Shop. I say lavish. It's actually lavish. I learned that. Did you know? Yeah, someone corrected me on stories and they were like, you know, it's pronounced lavash. And I was like, (laughs) wait, what? Isn't that so funny? I I know. They like, okay, but were they correct? Did you look it up? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're correct. I know. I know. It's like, yeah, my mind was blown too, Paige. I know. I anyway, know. anyway, this is a two-part macro <laughs> hack right here. <laughs> the look on your face. Um, so basically, I just love chips. Anything crunchy is my jam. So I always just cut up one of these wraps and I use like a pizza cutter because I like them all to be very even and, and square like chips. And then I put them in my toaster oven with some seasoning on top and they just make the most perfect, Yummy. delicious yep. chip dips. Yep. Dip chips. Chip with the dip. Whatever. And they're so good. Yeah, I dip cottage cheese. I do, um, I'll do like breakfast nachos with them. I mean, the sky is the limit here, but they are so good and macro friendly. And I just love them. I get them at Walmart. Um, I've, they've been sold out the last two times because of quarantine, which I'm not happy about, but they also can be bought online. And I know that some people use Mm. um, cut the carb chips as well. Similar, a little bit less macros, I believe, um, but they're thinner in consistency. But same thing. So, yeah, they're just really awesome and you can use them for all types of things. And the macros are just too good. So that's my my hack. I eat them like almost every day. Lexus, it's it's cut the carb, not cut the carb. I can't believe you'd say that. Oh, right. <laughs> cut the Lexus. carb. God, we're just like teaching you how to pronounce everything. Huh? I guess. I, I, I just speak. so did she I just have one quick question. Did she like send you a a voice note of how to say it or did she phonetically like spell it out for you? She sent me a video and was like it's lavash. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh. Okay." <laughs> okay. All right. Noted. <laughs> I'm going to go look it up, though, again, just to be 100% sure. Okay, please text us after this. I'm okay. so interested. I'll, I'll update All right. you for sure. Okay, so mine is a little more lifestyle-based weird, page. You never do lifestyle-based ones, but here I am again. Shocker. Um, Quarantine-related. <laughs> when you are... This is very, very simple, but it's not that easy, I realize. Um, we have a lot of questions slash comments coming in from our clients lately around emotional eating and feeling the need to, you know, just constantly being attached to their kitchen. Um, totally relate. So when you are done eating, simply but unsimply, remove yourself from the kitchen. Immediately. Immediately. <laughs> and I realize that the lingering thought of snacking or picking is intriguing. I've been there many a night. Um, but the other day, like I was just in a snack frenzy. We all, we all, we've all done it, but this was, you know, multiple days in a row. And I was like, you need to stop. You need to, you know, quickly trick your brain into doing something else. So I literally in the kitchen just started to do jumping jacks because there was (laughs) nothing else. Like I I kept coming into the office and then I'd be like, oh, but the mini M&Ms are still in the fridge or whatever. And so I just started doing jumping jacks and kind of like running in place to just Think of something else. Oh my God, this dog. I can't. (gasps) Did you hear him sniff? 
Oh my God. Lexus's amazing lion of a puppy is in this. <laughs> I, I'm dying. This is the cutest thing. Rogan, you got to get out of the podcast. Buddy. Rogan's like, I want a snack though. This is not a good, <laughs> this is not a good macro hack. <laughs> no, this is a okay. great one. So yes. Anyways, do something that can distract yourself. While I know it seems a little silly, you know, we've heard of things like splashing your face with cold water before, um, you know, things of that nature. Do people really do that? I have a, like, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. I, Aggressive. I, I do a lot of these kind of tactics with my clients just because of my like past with um, being in my psychology, like master's program and everything. But um, I have had a client who found success by holding on to ice cubes because your mind is so focused on that feeling of just how cold it is that you forget. I mean, again, it's easier said than done and it takes practice, but it's 100% like a useful tool. And it could be something to definitely play around with if um, snack attacks are kind of your kryptonite. Wow. Mm -hmm. And this, you know, that's, that's extreme, right? Like getting to like a different temperature or whatever, it might be a little too much for you. So if you have to like move your computer upstairs or downstairs to keep yourself from going in and out of the kitchen, go for a walk, go for a drive, um, whatever that might be. If you are truly hungry, obviously, eat a snack that's going to fulfill you. Mm -hmm. But if you know it's just mindless, you know, maybe emotional eating, um, do something about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I love that. I love it. It's a great tip, especially right now when we're all trapped at home and have the kitchen two feet away from us. Totally. Yes. Um, So excited for our next episode. Zan, tell them what's going on. You guys are going (laughs) to freak out. So we are going to have a guest on our next episode, and it is the one and only Aubrey Howe, who also goes by Kale Couture. Did I say that right? You did. Okay. Um, And a lot of our followers, a lot of our clients love, love her account on Instagram. And so we wanted to um, have her join us and tell us how she got to where she is today. Oh, cute. Get it? it? Play on her last name. Uh, I'm so funny. I know. know. Anyway. Can't wait. Stay tuned for that. Um, And we're super excited to have her on next episode. It's going to be a good one. Thanks for letting me host you guys. Oh, Paige, you killed it. Mike, (laughs) (laughs) Happy Monday. Happy Monday.